Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Revelation chapter 19 is where we'll uh, look tonight and we uh, pretty much have gotten closer and closer to uh, the end of what is happening. Uh, uh, we uh, looked at uh, Christ's return and and uh, we we see the the significance of what is is coming about at the end of chapter 19 and uh, let's see if I can read with these glasses here. Uh, and we we saw that uh, that Jesus Christ has come and and he is. Uh, uh, doing battle with the armies of the world and and basically uh, with one word as we talked about the last time we were in the book of Revelation with one word Jesus Christ defeats the enemies of uh, of the Lord and we see that uh, Jesus Christ is victorious uh, we talked about again how uh, this is an image of uh, the uh, Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, coming to uh, claim his bride, uh, the church, and we saw. Uh, and of course, uh, this is not that time in which he is claiming his bride, but it is a part of preparing for the great uh, wedding feast and part of the culture of uh, the. Uh, people of of Israel at the time in which Jesus lived, and and this particular time in which John lived, was that uh, uh, the the groom, uh, the bridegroom, would go and prepare a place a, a place of, of of home for himself and the bride, and and he would, uh, and a lot of times it was a continuation of the house of the family, uh, and it was a, a place in which uh, he would then uh, take the bride and uh, that would be part of their home. Would uh, It would be like a wing uh, put onto the house. And uh, we have to remember that in our culture, the whole idea of being married is, is to be married and then go off and have a family of your own, have a house of your own, be separated from everyone else, and, and you are together, uh, just the two of you by yourself as a family. You make a family unit, and you then begin to uh, have uh, children uh, to increase the size of your family, and, and you build on your family that way. In the society and the culture of the first century here, uh, where uh, Jesus is uh, uh, entered into the world and, and we see this time in which John is writing. Uh, the culture and the society in the world is, is that uh, you are a part of a family a, and the patriarch of the family is not the husband but is uh, the father uh, that is still remaining alive. The, the patriarch is the oldest father in, in the lineage and uh, all of his children and his uh, children's uh, spouses and their children and all that are considered his family. You are not part of your own family until the patriarch dies and then you become the patriarch of your family. Uh, and so uh, part of the culture is, is that you come together and you live in a community of the family uh, and you have one big house and it is uh, the dwelling of everyone. Now, 
again, uh, listen to all that terminology and, and remember what Jesus said uh, to his disciples. He said, uh, where I'm going, you can't go. But when I do come back, uh, uh, I'm going to take you where I am. Uh, there in my house are many mansions. It's a great big house. And he says, we're all going to live together. And uh, if it weren't so, I would have told you so. And he's saying, basically, I'm going to prepare the place. And, and in that culture, when the house was ready, the dwelling was ready, during that whole long period of of courtship that uh, we talk about being espoused with, uh, like uh, Mary and Joseph were espoused to one another. They weren't actually married, but they were considered married. She wasn't dwelling with him. Uh, it was that period of time where the bridegroom goes and prepares everything, and then he comes back and gets the bride, and then he goes and takes the bride and shows her off, basically, to the wedding party, to everybody in the family. He takes her, and he takes her to all the family and and that's uh the great time in which uh we are raptured and we're uh in this scenario in which jesus is talking about is, is he's come to get the bridegroom uh, bride and take her up to be shown off in heaven to all the uh all those who are already there and then uh what usually typically happens is is that the bridegroom would take the bride and they would kind of proceed through the community and kind of show off to everyone and many times the uh, the bridegroom would demonstrate his power and authority his place in society his place in the community and uh many scholars believe this is an image of what Christ is doing when he comes uh to uh in his triumphal return to earth in this uh lineage of the time of the uh, the uh, uh, tribulation and, and we have to remind ourselves that uh, when Jesus returns uh, at the end of the tribulation period and he does battle with the armies of the earth the tribulation is over at that point with the with the conclusion of that war and we just talked about that uh, uh, the last time that we were together that Jesus basically uh, demonstrates His power and authority and with one word He decimates the uh, armies of the earth. The armies of the earth that were tricked into uh, coming together by the demons that are like the frog, uh, like frogs that go throughout the earth uh, and out of this fog and this mist a uh, couple of chapters back and uh, they fool all of the, the armies of the earth to come together in this one place, the valley of Megiddo for this great battle that is, is taking place. And we talked about how this valley is so situated for battle uh, and there were several battles that that have already happened uh, throughout history in this one location, uh, even before John's time, that these battles had already taken place. It's kind of a uh, a a great big plain in in which armies can come together and do war and battle. Uh, because there's so much room and space and, and they're able to do this uh, great conflict there in the valley of Megiddo. And so Jesus decimates uh, the armies of the earth and uh, then the angel calls for all the birds to come and to flock together and to consume all the flesh. Why? Because he's laid waste to all of these, uh, the armies, all the kings, all the captains, all the uh, generals, all the people that are uh, part of this army that has come against Jesus Christ. And, and we talked about how 
there are those who came with Christ. In the image in which is presented by John, uh, we see Jesus Christ coming on a white uh, stallion, a great white horse, and He's coming uh, with great authority and power. Uh, and there's a great uh, mass of, of host behind Jesus. And many times uh, people misunderstand and misrepresent uh, uh, this as being an army that Jesus is going to use in order to defeat the armies of the earth. Uh, but that is not what happens. They are the witnesses. They are uh, the people uh, in the bridal party that witness the, uh, the actions of the bridegroom and the bride. And they are part of the bridal party that comes and, and witnesses the demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ to defeat the army in one fell swoop. So at the end, we're at the end of this battle. And this battle is, comes to an end. Uh, and it says in verse... 19 after the uh, birds are called to, to eat on the flesh and uh, they eat all the flesh of those who are dying. He said in verse 19, And I saw beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and they, them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, uh, uh, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So with that one word, the battle is over, and here we come to the, uh, the judgment. And this has all been leading up to the judgment of Jesus Christ, the righteous judge of all those who oppose God and oppose Jesus, uh, the false prophet, the, the, the beast, uh, all those who've been deceived and taken the mark, all of those uh, who have been uh, turned away from Jesus Christ are uh, being uh, uh, judged at this time. And we see uh, in Jesus Christ, He uh, gives a, a, a demonstration or an allusion to this uh, back in the Gospels where He says uh, that at the end times uh, that uh, judgment will come and the righteousness uh, God will mete out. He says, and, the, and all people will be brought before Him. And what does He say? There will be the sheep and the goats. Remember what Jesus said? He said, and the sheep and the goats, and they'll all come before Jesus Christ. And this is the uh, Sermon on the Mount uh, time frame, and He's giving uh, a indication of what things are like at the end of time. And He says, and at the end of time, all, everyone will come and bow the knee, and, and He'll judge Everyone and the and the sheep will be put on one side and the goats will be put on the other, and uh, he says uh, to them, uh, uh, to the sheep, he says, "Enter into uh, your reward." For when I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me water to drink. When I was uh, in prison, and uh, and. Uh, uh, he indicates some kind of abuse and that kind of thing. You came and, and you ministered to me. And, and uh, they'll say, well, when did we see you that way? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in prison? And Jesus says, when you do it for the least of these. Now, what's he talking about? Well, that's an image of the, uh, of the 
tribulation, isn't it? During the tribulation, uh, the Bible tells us that everyone uh, will be uh, deceived into get, receiving the mark of the beast. And with that mark of the beast, what, uh, what happens? If you have the mark of the beast, uh, you're following after uh, the Antichrist and the beast and, and the false prophet. But it, what happens to you if you don't have the mark of the beast? You don't, uh, you're not able to do commerce. You're not able to shop and buy food to survive. You're uh, uh, thrown into jail. You're accused of all kinds of things. You're beaten and mistreated. Uh, you're, uh, all of your possessions are taken away because you refuse to receive the mark of the beast. And that's what Jesus is saying. All of you uh, who are sheep, uh, you are the ones who went through that time of, of great tribulation and you, uh, you were faithful to me. And he says, enter into your reward. And then he turns to the goats and he says to them, uh, uh, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And he said, Because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't uh, visit me. And they say the same thing, don't they? In essence, Lord, when did we, not, uh, when did we see you uh, uh, naked and, and uh, not clothe you? When did we see you hungry and not feed you? When did we see you thirsty and not give you drink? When did we see you in jail uh, and not minister to you? And he said, uh, uh, when you did not do for the, the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And so Jesus says to them that they are to go into the lake of fire. And this is the occurrence in which this is happening. Jesus is uh, judging those uh, who have, uh, not just those who are in this great battle, He is judging all of mankind. And He is uh, bringing about that great judgment. And this is the time in which He is uh, bringing about righteousness. He's establishing, what is He doing? He is establishing his, his authority and His rule which is the very beginning of the thousand-year reign in which Jesus rules over all the earth and all of those who are uh, followers of, of the Antichrist, all those who are followers after the false prophet are in uh, the uh, lake of fire. They are placed there. It is a temporary place. It is not uh, the final uh, place. It is temporary for a while. And he says in chapter 20, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, uh, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon it that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I uh, saw the souls of them that were beheaded uh, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and that uh, and which had not worshiped the beast neither his image nor uh, neither his, had received his mark upon their foreheads or their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years but the rest of the dead uh, lived not again until the thousand years were finished and this is the first resurrection blessed and holy is he that hath part 
in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle and uh, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So what we see in the first part of chapter 20, the first 10 verses here, is several different things. We see, as I said, the conclusion of the tribulation period because this is the very end of... Uh, with the judgment of those who followed after the false prophet and the beast uh, we and uh, the victory of Jesus Christ, we come to the end of the tribulation. There is no more uh, tribulation upon the earth and we see the establishment of Jesus Christ's kingdom on earth. And uh, basically the, the world has been transformed. The world has been... Uh, uh, made different in this tribulation period. Basically, God has used the tribulation to uh, begin to rid the world of sin, the influence of sin throughout this uh, seven-year period of time of the tribulation. And we see that uh, the earth is no longer the same as it was. Uh, we, uh, God has caused you know, uh, stars to fall out of the heavens. He's caused mountains to split open. He's caused uh, rivers to uh, be forged through the desert and caused the desert to be uh, blossoming and blooming with flowers. And uh, we've seen uh, basically a whole new a uh, place open up with uh, with the splitting of the Mount of Olives uh, when Jesus uh, came and descended from heaven and uh, touched the earth. Uh, so we see a, a whole huge transformation of the earth. And this is to demonstrate that nothing is the same as it once was. And what God is, is doing is, is He's changing the earth, He's transforming the earth, and He is making the earth uh, back to the original uh, paradise of Eden that it once was before sin entered into the world. Now Jesus Christ is bringing judgment upon uh, all the evil of the earth and all the sin of the world uh, through uh, casting the, the prophet and the, the beast, the false prophet and the beast, and all those followed after them into the lake of fire. Then at the beginning of chapter 20, we see that the angel comes and, and Jesus orders that Satan be bound. Uh, this is the ultimate nemesis of Jesus Christ, uh, the ultimate uh, 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 instigator of sin upon the earth, uh, the great deceiver, the one who has, has tempted and caused uh, mankind to, to fall away from God. Uh, he is bound in chains and he is thrown into a deep pit. It's not the lake of fire. It, it says specifically a deep pit. And we see that uh, it is not, he's not only just bound and chained and thrown into this pit, it's sealed over and there's a great seal that's placed upon it. And uh, basically uh, this uh, seal is to keep uh, Satan in the confines of this uh, bottomless pit for a thousand years. 
And uh, we see, uh, uh, like I said, uh, in this image of this new earth, uh, uh, several thrones that are established upon the earth, and uh, Jesus Christ is beginning to establish His uh, His uh, authority upon the earth. And He see, and uh, John says that He sees these thrones, and they are uh, uh, those who followed after. Uh, Jesus Christ, it says, those who were martyrs for Christ, those who uh, followed after uh, Christ and did not receive the mark, those who were faithful, uh, the disciples, our judges, all these are uh, individuals that God is, uh, through Jesus Christ, is going to utilize and use as judges throughout the earth during His thousand-year reign. And a lot of things are happening here. A lot of things are, are going on. And, and there's uh, basically six things in this uh, 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 section. And it deals with uh, the judgment of the devil and uh, all these different things, uh, his punishment uh, and his release and, and uh, the new heaven and new earth and all of that. All of it is uh, a part of the plan of God. And, and ultimately, after, uh, all, after this thousand-year reign, we see uh, that God is going to eliminate the earth completely, eliminate heaven, and He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth in which uh, we'll uh, live throughout eternity with Him. Uh, that's at the end of uh, the book of Revelation uh, that John sees the new heaven uh, uh, displayed before him. Uh, so we're not going to rush through all of that, but what we need to talk about in the remaining time that we have, which is not much longer, is a couple of different things that uh, come up in this section of Scripture that kind of is an overview, and that is, is uh, you probably uh, have heard people talk about this concept of uh, premillennial and this idea of uh, this understanding of the end of times and how it all fits together. And actually, there's three aspects. There's three different views. There's premillennial, there's postmillennial, and then there's amillennial. There's three different views, and, and basically it deter, it's, it's based on how you interpret this pas- uh, these uh, passages of Scripture here in uh, the ba- last part of Revelation. Now this, uh, this part of Revelation is dealing with uh, the uh, return of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign, which is the thousand years, and the establishment of the kingdom of God. And uh, so what we have done is, is and I've tried my best, uh, probably not uh, the very best that you could probably ever receive, but I've done my best in explaining the book of Revelations uh, to this point, and we've come to the culmination. This is the apex. This is, in fact, uh, this moment in Scripture here is where uh, a majority of the Bible has been pointing to. It's like all throughout Scripture it's been saying, hey, you need to look that down there at the end. Uh, you need to see what's coming. You need to know what's coming down the line. And everybody has been pointing to this section of Scripture right here, this particular time in which uh, they have been looking forward to the Messiah coming, the Messiah establishing His reign. Uh, in fact, in Isaiah and, and in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and, and uh, Malachi and 
all in Haggai and all these different places in Scripture, you have Scripture that is talking about uh, this particular time. In fact, uh, David was even told in, in 2 Samuel, he was told what? That he was going to be made king of Israel and uh, that his, uh, someone from his family would remain on the throne of Israel for all eternity. Remember that? You can turn back to Second uh, Samuel and read that if you want to. It's toward the beginning of Second Samuel, and David is told that he, because he shares a heart like unto God, uh, that his descendants will always remain on the throne of Israel. Well, did they always remain on the throne? Well, no. But so, what is the, what is what is Samuel saying to David from God? What is God saying to? To, to David through Samuel. Well, he's pointing to this. He's saying, in, and in essence, uh, 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 and Isaiah says uh, that God will raise up a root uh, from the, uh, the uh, lineage of David who will rise up and be a righteous judge and he will bring about judgment and, and establish a kingdom. And he's talking about this. He's talking about this section of Scripture, uh, Jesus Christ. And we talked about this uh, back in was it Christmas time. We talked about how uh, Jesus was... Uh, uh, of the lineage of, da- of David and uh, how he was doubly uh, uh, from the lineage of, of King David, but, uh, not just from Joseph, but also through Mary. And we talked about how uh, Jesus was the fulfillment of all the prophecy that was talking about uh, the lineage of David and, and uh, the Messiah coming from the lineage of David. And so uh, this is, is that passage of Scripture. So we get... If we look at this Scripture that has been talked about for all throughout Scripture, uh, if we discuss this and we study it and we uh, take a view of literal interpretation of Scripture, as we have been taking thus far, we have been basically taking a premillennial position because... Uh, We've been talking about all of this that's going to happen during the tribulation and then Jesus uh, returns. And what does He do when He returns? He establishes His kingdom, which I just told you a few minutes ago, which is the beginning of the millennium. So we believe that Jesus Christ returns prior to the millennial, pre-millennial that He returns to earth and establishes His kingdom, He builds His kingdom, and He reigns for a thousand years. Then Satan is loosed uh, for a period of time. The Bible doesn't specify how long. And then uh, Jesus is victorious again. He uh, binds Satan for all eternity, casts him into the lake of fire, and then uh, the kingdom of God is established uh, in a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, I just mentioned all of that. Now that's a literal view. It's pre-millennial. But there's another view, and and that view of being pre-millennial is, is that everything is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Everything is getting bad, and as everything gets bad, 
uh, we look forward to the day in which Jesus Christ returns and makes everything as it should be with the establishment of his kingdom. Then there's the post-millennial view. Now, the post-millennial view, view is, is that it is a combination uh, that all that we've talked about here is, is that uh, rather than being a literal view of, or literal translation of Scripture, post-millennials take this Scripture and they say some of this is very literal and some of this is figurative. Some of this is very literal in that uh, Israel was uh, warned about falling away from the worship of God. Israel was warned that if they did, that they would be uh, uh, punished by God. Israel was warned that in that punishment that other nations would come in, take them captive, and take them away from the promised land. And uh, all of that is very literal in the eyes of the uh, post-millennialist. And, and uh, then they begin to say, but the things, uh, but God says, but if my people will turn from their wicked ways and, and repent of the things that they've done, what does it say in 2 Corinthians? That if they'll turn from their wicked ways and humble themselves, that He'll hear their prayers from heaven, He'll restore their land, He'll uh, do all this stuff. The post-millennial says that, uh, that that is figurative in that it doesn't... The blessings from God when, uh, when the people of God turn back to Him is not that Israel is blessed and has res- is restored to their nation and all this that we've been looking at as very literal. They say as... Uh, figurative, that it happens in the Spirit, that uh, the church is the one that receives the blessings. Not Israel or the Israelites, but the church does. That we as the the body of Christ today and today's world uh, receive those blessings and not Israel. That uh, uh, many of these things that happen uh, are figurative rather than literal. And so they kind of take a little, little of both. And what they believe is, is that uh, rather than everything getting worse and worse and worse and worse, they believe that everything is getting better and better and better and better. That as we get better with time, uh, the church is bringing about the kingdom of God. That The church is the one that is uh, establishing the key kingdom of Jesus Christ. That it's the church that is making making things better by being the salt and light that uh, Jesus uh, talked about and bringing about the rule of Jesus Christ by getting better and better and better and better. That Christ, uh, after the millennial period happens, which they don't believe the millennial is a thousand years, so why would you call it millennial? I don't know. But anyway, they, they don't believe that it's a literal thousand years, but it's figurative, meaning a long period of time, uh, they believe that Jesus returns at the end. So now we have the premillennial and postmillennial view, and uh, basically the premillennial view is that nothing that man can do is going to bring about uh, the kingdom of God, that everything that that mankind is doing is is wrapped in sin, the sinful nature, and it's only through Jesus Christ and His return that we uh, have the entrance of the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the millennial. 
The post-millennial says, no, we're all bringing that about, and, and we're uh, influencing the world to make the world better. Okay, those are the two views, remember? Okay, now you've got a third view. It's called amillennialist. And basically, the amillennialist believes is that there is no millennial. That there is no uh, uh, return of Christ uh, in the millennium, but rather that uh, basically through uh, a geopolitical uh, way of making things better. If we can get, uh, and and we hear this a lot of times uh, around election time, if we could just get the right people in the president's office, if we can just get the right people in government, if we can just get the right people in places of authority, we can make sure that people do the right thing, that we, we can legislate morality and righteousness. We can make people better if we just get the right people in the right place. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to promote Christians who are in uh, places of authority and Christians in uh, places of, of governance. We certainly need people who are following after Christ and have a view of serving Christ and serving fellow man. There's nothing wrong with that, but the amillennialist sees that as bringing about the kingdom of Jesus Christ on the earth, that through uh, legislating morality and having morality brought to society that, uh, that we bring about the kingdom of God and that everything in Scripture is figurative. That everything is, uh, is not literal but is all figurative and that everything uh, is, uh, is used in terms of a... Uh, uh, you might hear people talk about how this is a... Uh, a imagery that's being used and and that uh, John didn't understand what he was seeing and so he's making all of these uh, he's writing all this stuff down and he's trying to figure it out by what he's seeing he doesn't understand what he's seeing and so everything is figurative so those are the three aspects of this particular period of time. But we're taking a literal view of Revelation because that's what we're studying. We're studying Revelation. We believe in understanding and knowing Scripture from a literal perspective. We believe that Jesus Christ, at least I believe in terms uh, uh, that we are studying here, that we have to take Scripture for what it says literally, that we are reading Scripture and Christ is, is directing us. God is directing us through the Holy Spirit to see the things that are coming. We've talked about how imagery is used, but all of this stuff is not just uh, imagined or uh, not literal, but rather this is all leading up to the time in which Christ uh, returns and establishes His kingdom beginning the millennial period of time. And we see uh, the judgment of Satan. We see the judgment of, of those who follow. And we see uh, the, the next period of time in which uh, we see the establishment of this kingdom of Jesus Christ and His rule. What What is the main point in this first section, if we can boil it all down, even though there's six things that we're going to talk about in this, when we'll look at it again. And the main thing is that uh, righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ rules and reigns. He's, he brings righteousness to the earth. He establishes His righteous kingdom. He establishes His authority upon the earth. And uh, those who oppose Him 
are brought to justice, brought to judgment. And so that is the the message of the first couple of verses here in chapter 20. And we'll look at, at what all Jesus does to do that uh, the next time that we come together uh, and uh, the description of all this that's going on. All right, let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You, praise You for Your great love, and we thank You that You are so uh, patient with us, that You are so loving with us, and You give us uh, so many, uh, so much time that we need to be about doing Your work. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to be faithful to Your call, Lord, to, to evangelize those who are lost, because there is coming a time in which judgment will fall. Lord, there's nothing that people can do once your judgment does fall. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be faithful to share your love, share the gospel, that people might know your great love in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.